We're back. The Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that dark. We're talking blockchain, e-games, cannabis, and so much more. Without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in business, tech, and culture, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. <laughs> I don't have anything. This is where the music comes in. Anthony, come on, don't let us I, down. I, I, come on, I, 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 don't, I don't have a song. You got one job. You got one job. <laughs> Some earth, wind, and fire or something? Nothing to that. You losing the news? I to add a general music bed in there, okay? <laughs> that we pay five dollars for. Just uh, add that in there for. T- uh, for the- <laughs> <laughs> All right, we add the music later, uh, so we'll get to that. <laughs> Go ahead, Clyde. So, so what's going on, fellas? We're back for another episode of the Whiskey Hill. Um, it's going to be a good one. We're in, definitely in for a treat. Uh, I'm excited about today's topic. We have a special guest. We have. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just jump right into it. You know, there's no need to. Bullshit around. Greg Brown is here. Um, he's going to be. Uh, we, we're just going to dive right into it and think about uh, get a, get his get his view on uh, all things fixed incomes, uh, crypto. We one of our best episodes, episode thirty nine. Uh, we talked about at a very high level cryptocurrency, blockchain, and all those things around it. We gave some insights around everything from PayPal to Spencer Dinwiddie. And uh, we want to dive deeper, but we're no experts, so we figured we'd bring in an expert. So I want to introduce Greg Brown, and Athul um, was graciously enough to reach out to Greg and and uh, invite him on the show. And we're going to be – our listeners are in for a treat. So Athul, introduce us to Greg. All right, so we're going to answer this later, so tuck this away. So how does a senior income strategist uh, in fixed income global debt get so hyped and savvy over the cryptocurrency world in such a short time? We'll talk about that this entire episode. But first, first, we want to give you some deets as to who Greg is, how we know each other. We met our kids were really young at the same school. They're the same age. Cutie Dahlia on his side, Arshan, my guy. Uh, I believe he saw me wearing a bear shirt the first time, told me he's from Indiana, um, he's a Raiders fan first. Second team is Bears. Indiana, a lot of Indiana folks float that way too. So we started talking my favorite three F's, football, family, finance, right? So, and we've been doing this for like nine years now. So, um, our kids, we have a lot of friends on Halloween every year together, birthdays, gatherings, all of it, right? He lives two buildings away. So early COVID months, Greg and Dahlia were among a handful of folks that we'd hang out with in the backyard, biking, throwing the football, soccer, Roblox, loves daughter. She's like our own daughter, right? So allow the kids to have that human interaction with others their age while Greg and I just sat back, talked finance, sports, and drank whiskey pretty much every time. Um, he's a he's an original member, OG of the Neighborhood Daddy Scotch Club. <laughs> There's a guy named Vivek, Jeff, Nathan, who's moved to Long Island, Alan, my big bourbon guy, and Greg would pop in. We each introduce each other to a bottle and we'd kind of just go from there. <laughs> Let the debauchery begin. Um, <laughs> aside from his deep expertise in finance, which you'll hear about today, family with a military background. So when my dear cousin Nathan sent an awesome military grade Air Force bomber jacket for my kids, Greg was the first guy I showed. I knew he'd appreciate it. Um, and here's the here's the kicker. Here's a good one. He's a professional road racing cyclist. He's done uh, tours, global tours with. Uniballer. I should I should say that. I shouldn't have said that. Lance Armstrong. He's done you can go through the names in a moment. Um so we're gonna <laughs> Greg, Greg, you gotta tell us how does a senior income strategist 
who spent so many years at Invesco, Oppenheimer before that, Merrill, UBS, go into this world of crypto. But give us a little bit more insight into you. 50 straight weeks on the road every year for a long time, selling the selling the ropes. And then, but you get into this crypto world. Give us a little bit more color and then get into that afterwards. Yeah, a couple things real quick. Number one, I'm not used to having your silky smooth voice. Usually I'm the voice in the podcast. <laughs> I've, I've co-hosted with Brian Lett, podcast for for many years for uh, Oppenheimer and Invesco. And so normally I get the comments about my voice, but I'm just sitting here watching the paint dry uh, with you talking. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I don't really live in New Jersey. I just live in New Jersey. My house is, I call this the work apartment or the custody apartment. Okay. So uh, I'm a Colorado resident for the uh, IRS. Make sure we're clear on that right now. Um, so how does the income strategist become Let's go to that. So <laughs> your question is, how does a senior income strategist turn turn crypto fight, I guess? So first of all, in this COVID environment, let's just call it a, a reduction in force brought me to my uh, current time. And as uh, one of my favorite actors, Samuel L. Jackson said, you caught me in a bit of a transitional moment. <laughs> Normally. <laughs> Normally. We're just, we're just letting you roll. We're letting you rip. So... So, yeah, my, my background is long-term income strategist, long-term retirement income guy. You know, basically anything that kicks off a distribution falls in my world. So master limited partnerships, uh, municipal bonds, taxable fixed income, global debt, emerging market, local debt, uh, anything but gold, basically, you know, falls in, in my world. So what's interesting about the whole crypto space for me is that I've been introduced to this probably four years ago and watched like most people and, and saw the implosion back in 17 and went, wow, this really was just flash in the pan. Warren Buffett was right. All these guys that were watching it that said, there's no value here. There's no underlying um, reason for this to move forward. Uh, they were absolutely right. And imploded, just kind of fell off the, fell off the slate for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden Bitcoin started moving back up. Ethereum started going back up. All these amazing protocols and all these amazing projects started coming into my into my attention. And people were calling me, going, "What do you think? Where where are you at on this? Where are we at?" And I had to go to work. So I spent you know most of the last four to six months reading white papers, reading the European Central Bank thoughts, reading the Finland uh, white paper, reading all the papers going on out there, and reading through the protocols, watching everything I could get on on every podcast about this stuff. And I am uh, massively, massively on board. Uh, like, so I was first licensed in the investment business back in 1986. This is the third time that I've seen something this clear that you need to get involved with. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Conviction. I like it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. So, so, no, that's a great opening and one where, you know, our listeners are going to want to definitely hear more. But we are the Whiskey Hue. And the first thing we got to start with is whiskey, right? We want to start off with uh, each of oh, our guests and your honored yep. guests. And uh, we hear that you have a recommendation. So we'll let you dive into the whiskey of the episode and uh, tell us a little bit about it, uh, how you got yeah. to this uh, a whiskey as your whiskey of the episode. And, you know, we love a good uh, whiskey story. So feel free to to share. All right. So here's a clip. Here's, here's a shot of the bottle. If you're not familiar with this, this is Willet. Uh, and, and Willet bourbon is, uh, the bottle actually looks like the, like the still, right? With just a longer neck on it. Pretty cool. Uh, nice neck label and so forth. So if you grew up in Indiana, everybody's got a cousin lives south of the river in Kentucky. 
and South of the River in Kentucky, of course, <laughs> is where bourbon comes from. <laughs> so my so my south of the south of the river connection is is a guy named Craig who, who's a buddy of mine who uh, we cut wood up on the weekends in, in New Paltz, New York. We get the steel you know chainsaws out and the Carhartt and the and the chocolate lab in the woods and, and go cut down trees and run the log splitter. And after being on the road, as Otho mentioned, you know fifty weeks a year, there's nothing I'd rather do than put in the earplugs hydrate properly and run the log splitter for about 10 hours a day. So, uh, so Craig made this recommendation probably four or five years ago. And this has been just kind of a staple for me. So I just like the bottle. It's great because there's a really cool logo on top. Um, that's in, uh, that's in metal kind of looks like, uh, the maker's mark label, but yeah, pour forth gentlemen and, and let's get to it. Yeah, yeah let's get to it. it. Thanks for sharing. Um, Clyde will let you know that we're going to actually, we'll do a, a full on review, all four of us at the end of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll dive into it. And for our listeners who uh, are interested, the name of the whiskey of the day is Willet Pot Steel Reserve Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And we'll dive into it after the show. We're going to be sipping, you know, we're the whiskey hue and that's what we do. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to do is dive right in. So, so Greg, you know, we're excited. We, like I mentioned earlier, episode 39 for our listeners who want to go back and uh, check it out. We dove into crypto best of our uh, ability and skills. But, um, you know, we want you to come on and share a couple of key highlights. You know, the first thing is I always say when, you know, the guy at the barbershop, my grandma, my auntie, they start talking about, uh, Bitcoin and, and everything else, I get nervous. You know, the first question is, is it a Ponzi scheme, right? Is it real? I can't touch it. I can't feel it. You know, what's the deal? Like start there, open it up, give, give our listeners a, a, a good view into, you know, like the crypto world and the legit, legitimacy of it. All right. So let's go back because I have the same experience every Thanksgiving with the relatives, you know, in, in Chicago or Colorado or Indiana. And everybody's talking, you know, back in the 2000s, everybody was talking about pets.com and Cisco and Oracle and Terion and broadcast, <laughs> you name it. So I understand your hesitation at looking at this space because it feels like the same way now that everybody's getting involved or everybody's talking about it. But before we get there, let me ask you three, you three gentlemen, this Athul, Clyde. Anthony, do you guys own any crypto or any Bitcoin? Anybody own any? I, I do not to. today. I used to. Anthony, Anthony used not to. He today. was the first so one. You had it, but you sold it. All right. I, I, I Anthony sold was first it, in. I sold okay. It the last day. Um, and it was only purchased okay. because I was mod- I moderated a like I mentioned before I moderated a, a virtual currency panel for a bunch of lawyers, <laughs> and and I and I just got into it, so I just decided to buy it to understand what was going on. And I totally forgot I had it. For a so you bought years. it and then, and, and then dumped it. Yeah. Um, okay. Dumped it. Yep. And Greg, awful. Yep. And Greg, you know my story. You know my story, right? Um, I've been trying to set up for Coinbase for a month and it hasn't been working. So I'm going to pop over to Gemini. I just keep forgetting. I keep checking when I remember. Still not authorized. They got every, all my information. that I keep checking with you. You're like, nope, they got everything. And here we are. So I know they take a while. Um, you know, so we'll see. Coinbase, shame on you. But the funny thing is- Funny thing is that you might have saved yourself twenty uh, percent because it went from forty thousand over the last couple of weeks to down to thirty thirty one thousand. So it might have been a blessing in disguise. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's let's set a thing and we're going to do a quick benchmark. So then, Greg, then you run. Right. So the quick benchmark, we did the same thing in episode 39. So as a standalone episode, let's just make sure. So there's 195 global countries, 180 global currencies used by those countries recognized by the U.N. 7000 unique cryptocurrencies on the market today, right? So Bitcoin has 18 million shares. As we've discussed, all four of us independently together, Ethereum uh, is the nice counter to it, building real world applications. It's the plumbing. On, if you think of it as like the plumbing on the internet, and then the applications you build on it are IG, Venmo, and all of that. So they are a protocol as well as the currency, the coin. Um, and it seems like all the smartest developers are tagging over to Ethereum. And, you know, Bitcoin is a coin. It's finite. So take it from there. One, one last part and then you jump, Greg. Ethereum next 12 months could explode. It's now clearing. Well, I read the stat just this morning, 12 billion daily in transactions, which is 3 billion more than Bitcoin currently. Um, so all developed products are with F. So take it, take it away. All right. So we, I think you laid out a nice groundwork there for where we need to go. So when I think about Bitcoin, here's what I think about the value is, is one of two things. It's either a store of value for you right now. Okay. Or it's, it's making a play going forward on uh, decentralized, permissionless, no central bank, no helicopter money, no printing trillions of dollars in additional stimulus. Those are the, those are the two kind of factions as I view this space right now. Okay. So th that's the part about Bitcoin I think is interesting. Now, I've seen a lot of interviews. I saw a recent interview um, with somebody from the Fidelity Digital Group. Uh, and in that interview, the woman said it's not a store of value because we have too much volatility. And, and Clyde, you just mentioned a minute ago, might have saved off some time or, or some money because we went from 42,000 back down towards 30. We're sitting in the 32 range right now. Absolutely. We have dramatic volatility there. I would disagree that a, a store of value can't have volatility because I actually think there's value here in the volatility. And we're talking about emergency, emergent technology. We're talking about something that's early in its adoption. You know, we're in early innings of where we're going with this, with this whole crypto and digital space. So, so that's the first thought. So I think it can be a store of value if you choose to go there. But I also think that this is a, a, tr a change, a fundamental change to Money as we know it. I think that fiat currencies are going to be moving away. When's the last time anybody wrote a check for, for anything, you know, on a regular basis? When's the last time you wrote a check at Starbucks or at Target or at Walmart? Nobody's writing checks anymore, right? Right, right. And right, then, right, you know, right, often right. I had Definitely a conversation painful. several years ago. Yeah. When, when chips first showed up at credit cards, I'm like, how do I use this? So I tap it on there. I swipe what I yeah. you plug it in. I, I don't know what to do. So this is just the next step or the next evolution in transactions. So I think you, you pick either the transaction, the changing technology about how we're going to transact money and spend money, or you use it as a store of value. Those are the two appeals. And, and you pick whichever one works for you. So that's the first part. The next part is from an allocation. If I go back and put my hat on as an income strategist, my question is, what about allocation? And we'll get to Othel's comments a minute ago about the challenges of getting it set up. I think you can look at this as an allocation, either as a replacement of gold. So does anybody, own, any of the three of you gentlemen own gold? Anybody have gold or GLD, the ETF, or, or own any of the gold miners, Newmont, et cetera? Nobody owns gold. No. All right. So no. to me, gold is a, a you, you got some in what form? Uh, I think we have some. We have some physical. You know, how Indian weddings—they give you a ton of gold. I'm like, what do I do with this? I have no purpose. I'm not rapping anymore. I'm not. I'm not trying to floss at the party. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had no. So 
So sitting in a bank vault, like in, in Rockford, you know, <laughs> where I'm from. So that's what it's, that's what's doing. And then I have some ETS, the GDX I had for a while. Um, I trade the ETS for this space too. Uh, grayscale, right? Well, Keep, keep rolling, man. Didn't mean to cut you off. All right, beautiful. So, well, I, I have the same thing. I have a number of gold coins that came from my previous Indian in-laws uh, that came for the birthdays and the holidays and the whole deal. So there, there is gold in the locker. There's gold in, in, in both safes. So I, I think for most investors, they should have somewhere between 3 and 5% of their assets in gold as a low correlated asset that doesn't pay a dividend. And I think that makes some sense. And I think for some investors, Bitcoin could fill that void. We've seen a lot of money of late moving from gold towards Bitcoin as a better store of value, better upside. Bitcoin's outperformed gold dramatically last year and this year. I think that's a place if you're looking at allocation, you say in my portfolio or my family's portfolio, where does it fit? It could fit there. The other thing I think it could fit is, you know, we had a lot of people, we just went through this election thing and I'll let you guys comment politically on where we're at. But there are a lot of people being left behind either by economic elite, fiscal elite, whatever. I see, I see you smiling, so you can jump in there whenever you want. But um, if you feel like this is a runaway train in terms of the Fed printing money and in terms of the helicopter money and the new stimulus pr- programs, and listen, a lot of this stuff is necessary. We had at one point 22 million people unemployed. They need checks. They need to be able to pay their rent, put food on the table. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about that. But at some point, this has got to stop because the elevated values we see in the equity markets are being driven by that Federal Reserve spending. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would debate that we're at we're at unacceptable corporate valuations right now as a result of that printing of money. So we're at near all time highs right now for corporate valuations. I don't have that same problem on the crypto side, on, on the cryptocurrency side. So from a valuation standpoint, much more appealing when I get my royalty check for this show, it would not go into additional <laughs> X stocks right now, right? It, that, that, that royalty check going forward is going to go into crypto. It's going to go into Bitcoin. It's going to go into Ethereum and so forth. All right. Qu- questions on any of that in terms of allocation? No, no makes, question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll say it makes sense. And, okay. you know, especially thinking about the growth rates for gold versus Bitcoin, um, you know, it's just unmatched right there. Gold has been pretty stagnant for a while. Um, you know, although it's, it's grown dramatically over the last, let's say a 10 year window, it hasn't been anywhere near where uh, Bitcoin has been. Yeah. And just an FYI on gold, right? In the seventies around Nixon's time is when we came off the gold standard, right? The dollar being pegged to it. So, okay. So, and Greg, I want you to tie this all together. Fiat is the domestic currency. Let's just make it simple for everyone. Um, it's not fixed. Hence there's volatility in it as well. Bitcoin and gold are both fixed. And if we're moving off of gold, clean that up for us, Greg. So if this is modeled after gold technically as a fixed asset, how does that how does that impact us? Yeah, I'd have to go back to the 70s when Nixon took us off the gold standard. Right. And so for me, fiat, uh, fiat money or fiat cash is just money that's tied only to the central bank. It's not secured by gold. It's not secured by any hard assets. There's nothing behind it. It, it trades on the full faith and credit of your faith and your credit in the U.S. government, right? For, for dollars. Mm-hmm. And you got the same thing around all the, all the currencies around the globe. So you're subject to what the central bank wants to do. You're subject to their fiscal policy. You're subject to their monetary policy. You're subject to whatever this administration or the last or the next five administrations want to do. They're going to do that to you. So who wins in this game are people that own assets. You own real estate. You're in great shape. You own equities in tech stocks. You're in great shape. But who's getting left behind are the people that don't do that? People that only have saved 
you know, on average, 23,000 for retirement are still working paycheck to paycheck. Those are the folks being left behind. And that's the income gap and disparity that we have a big, big problem with in this country. So I, I think this begins to begins to move in a direction where it's permissionless, it's decentralized away from any government. And I think it feels like a, a more fair shake for most people. OK, OK. Absolutely. So that, Absolutely. that's the first part. The, the next part is in, in terms of allocation real quick, we can move on to our, to our other couple of topics is in, in terms of allocation. How do you do it? So you mentioned the challenges with with Coinbase and setting up the account. I've set up seven of these accounts and I've had every combination of problem of taking a picture on the iPhone of my driver's license, of my passport, getting that part set up. If you get through that, if you get through that moat, then the next thing is you got to get them to either approve your bank account. Or you got to attach a credit card. And a lot of people don't want to attach your credit card numbers to these folks, right? At Kraken, at Gemini, at Voyager, at Coinbase, at Coinbase Pro, at Kraken Pro, et cetera. A lot of people are a little sketchy about that. So if you're not, if you think it's a Ponzi scheme initially, now they want their, your credit card number. That's another issue as well. <laughs> and then when you go in and trade, once you get set up on these accounts and you go in, some you're buying right at the market and they'll tell you no fees and they'll, they'll give you whatever price they choose to give it to you. Um, other places will let you write a limit order and buy it as specifically at one price. Um, other folks, you can only buy it off the credit card or other folks, you can only trade in Bitcoin to buy these other cryptocurrency protocols or coins. So it's every combination. And so far, we don't have there's no clearinghouse to tell you where to go. Otho says I go to Coinbase, I yeah. go to Coinbase. Somebody else says I go to Gemini with the Wankelvoss brothers, I go to Gemini. Somebody else says, oh, you should try Kraken. And then you've got all these other things you can do like stake. Uh, or earn interest on these coins. So it's really a complicated process and nobody's made it easy yet. No offense to anybody, but nah, nobody's made it easy nah. soup to nuts to get set up. I mean, I've got accounts I'm trying to set up from two and a half months ago and still aren't funded yet. <laughs> I, I'm tr we're yeah. trying to give them money, right? And transaction costs are high. Right. It's one of the highest, right? Uh, for this, this asset class. So, um, delve into some other stuff. We'll talk about how inflation and all that deflation kind of comes into play here later on, maybe. Or if you think this is the place, I can tag in a comment that you kind of run with it. What do you think? Uh, uh, yeah, we could touch on inflation and then and then we can move forward. I'm thinking so a fixed amount of money, right? In a growing economy, we've got it. You get deflation and falling prices typically, right? Um, we're in a low inflation period. Deflation was a key driver for the Great Depression. You and I had this chat. Um, the problem with deflation is your wages fall as well, prices fall, but debts do not, right? So when we want to convert over, um, okay, Bitcoin doubles, uh, th things, the costs fall in half, right? So we can't have that set yet. So how, where, where do we, you know, take that, incorporate that into the what you're where you're going next, right? So we got to get this as a set currency at some point. Um, potentially, or it remains an asset class that you invest into, which that's dope as well. The way I've been seeing this, walk me out of this, is Bitcoin would be the asset class you invest in, you play, and you hang out. Ethereum is the one that you can, might be more currency-based eventually, uh, first, before Bitcoin as a, as a standardized. Run with that. Yeah. Yeah. So two separate thoughts. So number one is, Look, the central banks have been trying to engineer um, inflation since what, 2009, since the global financial crisis. They've been trying to seed this thing and get inflation moving. And we cannot hit the, the Fed's you know, target is 2% or beyond. And we cannot hit that target right now. And you have you know, virtually zero wage inflation with you know, tens of millions of people out of work right now as a result of COVID. Uh, there's no significant wage inflation out there right now. Look, if you've been out of work for a year 
and and your employer calls you back and says, hey, we got a job for you. We'd like you to come back uh, at, at 50% of what you were getting. If you've been out a year, depending on what checks we're getting out of the federal government right now, maybe you take that deal, maybe you don't. But we need people back to work so they can consume, so they can contribute to capitalism and, and get them back to work right now. That's the first thing. So I see no wage inflation out there anytime soon. I see no other significant inflation anytime soon. Um, the 10-year treasury just pushed 1.09%. Those are not yields that retirees can survive on. Nobody can survive on 1% right now taxable. It's just not going to work. So um, the central banks want to generate uh, inflation. We're not getting inflation generated by the system right now. And if anything, by reducing transaction costs, by making it easier to transact money, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that people can function from home pretty darn well. And in many cases, in your jammies or in your bare sweatshirt, you're more effective. There's no commute. It's not I'm 12 bucks it. to go to the city on, on New York Waterway, right? It's not uh, 12 or 14 bucks on the bridge. You can get it done over here. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, there's no go home. There's no off switch. There's no happy hour, right? So I, I find myself yeah. working till 9, 10, 12, 2 in the morning. I look up, I go, oh my gosh, 2 in the morning. I go, I better check some more things. And so I think you're getting a lot more productivity right now uh, for the first time in a very long time. So I don't, I don't see any significant inflation here. That, that's the first part. The other part as an asset okay. class is I think it's not either or Bitcoin or the other cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin or Ethereum. I think it's both. I think it's both. I think the core of the holdings should be 90, 95% in Bitcoin because look, there's only, there's only 18 and a half million of these things right now. There's only by the time yeah. we mine the last one in 2140, there will only be 21 million. If you just took you three millionaires and the rest of the millionaires in the US, there's not enough Bitcoin in the U.S. to go around to 21 million millionaires. Right. Yeah. 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 So hence we have scarcity. Right. Mm -hmm. Hence we have scarcity. Yeah. And that's before you get, you know, NFL players saying pay me in Bitcoin and Lindsay Lohan's stuff yeah. and all the other stars that are going to come out and pile on this thing. I mean, imagine if Michael Jordan said pay me in Bitcoin to Nike right now. What? <laughs> Let's not go down that conversation, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, so I threw that out question, there for the, for the LeBron guys. Oh, oh, that's right. You, oh, man. He's got you on that, on that boat. Go man. ahead, Aggie. Go ahead, Aggie. I go there. <laughs> um, so <laughs> if, if, if Bitcoin's, Bitcoin is, is a solid play or cryptocurrency is a solid place, excuse me. How is it, how is it because it's finite going to replace a monetary system or can it replace a monetary system that like, like the U.S., like the Fed itself in the U.S., how does it, how does it become global and, and have everybody get a part of it? How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, let, let, let's, let's kind of shift the conversation to our next phase, which is sort of around the institutions and around the central banks and what they're all trying to do and, and what they want to do and what they don't want to have happen. How's that? Is that, that, that fair to, Sounds good. to, to square it up that way? Mm -hmm. So if, if we look at Absolutely. the institutions right now, um, Let's talk about central banks and governments right now, because we have a lot of white papers out there from Finland, from the European Central Bank. There are 120 something plus currencies right now or countries out there that are looking at digitizing their currencies. We're talking about a digitized yuan in China, digitized uh, peso, digitized U.S. dollar. You get the picture. So they're not talking about crypto. They're talking about digitizing their currencies. And so there's a there's a great experiment going on in China right now where they have rolled out in about 60 cities the ability to use 
um, digitize yuan for transactions. And they rolled it out initially in a couple of cities, 35,000 merchants, and they had great acceptance. And they gave people money um, to transact with this stuff. And it was successful. And then the Ag Bank of China rolled out a program with basically a, a crypto credit card where there was a balance on there given everybody and said and told people to go out and transact and do it. So it's happening, you know, whether you like it or not. Now, you could say, and we'll get to this in the, in the back part of the show, you could say, well, the U.S. isn't going to want to do that. And you've heard comments from Janet Yellen. You've heard comments from Christina Lagarde at the, at the ECB that they're concerned about money laundering with crypto. And, and I have a big problem with that because if you look at what happened, you know, if you look at what happened in money laundering last year in the dollar or the euro, and then you look at a market cap of call it 350 billion in Bitcoin, those pale by comparison. So it, it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me to be worried about that. Last I checked, I wasn't, you know, transacting anything illegally. I wasn't laundering any money. I was looking for a better value than U.S. tech companies that seem like we're near uh, all-time highs, again, are pushing through those highs on on Fed-driven stimulus. Um, so that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. There's no money laundering on my side. I'm not doing any of that stuff. So I think that's bunk. But if you said that the U.S. wasn't going to allow the dollar to be digitized or was going to make illegal somehow Bitcoin, there's a bunch of companies that aren't. And emerging markets especially are going to get this capital flow and they're going to be more competitive. And you could see companies, you know, you see companies moving out of the coast right now to other places, Florida, Arizona, yeah. et cetera. Um, you could easily see companies headquartered the same way because if you've got a balance sheet at at Kentucky Fried Chicken at Yum held held abroad and you've got dollars held abroad, you know you're going to face some issues there. And the better place to have that stuff is in Bitcoin, where it's moving up and it's providing some some return, especially at the corporate level on balance sheets. So um, do do I think it gets accepted? I think it gets accepted, and I think between countries trying to digitize it and reduce transaction costs and and put stimulus checks, I think the last administration had uh, mandated digital wallets for some of the distributions going to folks. It never happened, um, and and we're going to review it now in this next administration. But there's an opportunity there to bring down transaction costs, get money in people's pockets more quickly. And, and I think that's really, really compelling on the planet right now as we work from home and your distance. And the last thing I want to do is take 20 bucks on a bear's bet from Othul. I don't want that cash, right? Put the Bitcoin in. Here's the scary thing. You brought up Janet Yellen, right? So, hey, well-respected, well obviously. But she's behaving like kind of – and I'm not – I'm not, not going to, on this one ancillary, I think I am. She's like the neighbor calling the cops because your party's getting too loud, right? So if she's going to regulate a decentralized asset and every other country in the world is not going to regulate and the U.S. does, we lose in that trade, right? So I'm scared about that. Hey, I'm, I'm cool. Let's do what everyone other countries doing. Otherwise we lose. That's what happened. You know, it's happening in tech and it could, they could be replicating this issue and trying to regulate in this space. Um, I'm scared about that. Uh, I'm just throw that out there for our listeners too. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, so I give you a couple of examples where I, where I think that gets worked through, but I'm also going to tell you that, look in China right now with that example, what do they want? They want transactions that are effective. They want consumer spending. They want to drive GDP back towards the people's uh, Congress mandated 6.5% GDP. They want to get back to that number with people working from home and transacting online, doing all that stuff. But what they do not want, and, and they also want to maintain their capital controls. So they don't want those digital 
digitize yuan in your pockets. They want them on the island, so to speak. They want them transacted there and they want to control that that flow of currency. Okay. The last thing they want yeah. is all that stuff in Singapore or Hong Kong or Taiwan. We'll have that political discussion on another show. Um, <laughs> but so they're going to want to control. And I think the same, <laughs> I think the same thing for Janet Yellen. Um, you know, she doesn't want to see this stuff move away from the dollar, right? They don't yeah. want it to move away from the dollar and that's their big concern. So, um, it, it, there's a couple issues there, but there's hope. Two things that I point to. One is, uh, the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements is working right now on transacting and letting banks around the globe settle in digital currency. That's a big score for the planet. That's, that's the right thing to do yeah. for big institutional movements of money that can be transacted that are on a ledger. That is fantastic. The other thing is we now have three, to my knowledge, three bank charters in January of 2021. Uh, one with Anchorage, um, uh, the other one just slipped my mind, and then um, Kraken. So we have three banks in the U.S. that are approved after uh, the Office of the Comptroller recently said it's okay for U.S. banks to settle in crypto. So we're moving that direction. And what you need is more institutional adoption and then someplace to spend the money. Right now, you can't buy a car with crypto. Right. You can do a couple of things. You can do a travel on a couple of sites, maybe. Um, and you and I can do a couple of things personally, but there's no easy, easy way to pay with Bitcoin. You can move it into these exchanges, right, to buy other coins, but tough to get your initial hold, tough to be walking down the street and pay with a point zero zero five of a of a Bitcoin. Yeah. So we need to so make that easy for consumers to get adoption. Of. So question on that, because, you know, recently um, Cash App, PayPal, um, eBay have all tried to go down that path and institute ways that you can use that Bitcoin and some of those cryptocurrencies to make it easier for the consumer. So it, it goes to your point of trying to make it more acceptable and easily uh, uh, used across various consumers. So, you know, I think we're going down that path. And, you know, as you think about it through your research, what do you think will be the, the next phase of of this so that, you know, those who are thinking about it from a consumer standpoint, what should they be thinking about? Where should they be going? Where should they be doing their research? Because, you know, we, we also talk about institutional investments and we think about consumers. So just give us your insight on that. Well, I guess I would turn the question back to you guys. So when I look in my world, my world has been spent on the road, 50 weeks a year, out Sunday morning, back Friday night, out Sunday morning, back Saturday night. Who am I interacting with on the road? Right. I'm flying somewhere for the most part. I've got mm-hmm. rent a car companies. I've got Hilton and Marriott. I've got dinners. I've got all this stuff. Why would you not take my two million points at American Airlines and my million points at Delta and my million five points at United and digitize those? Right. Instead of letting me spend those on vacations, which I can't take the last two years, year plus 21, maybe. Why don't you let me digitize that and go do something with that asset that's that's held behind? So digitize my Hilton, my Marriott, United, my Delta points. Let me let me take all those reward programs. First of all, create your own token, those companies, and let me digitize that. And let me do what I'm going to do. Right. So let me let me monetize that. First of all, you know, Starbucks, all the things you can do in a normal day when we're when we're not in a covid world, all those things. Amazon should be taken digital. It should just come right off, not off LinkedIn. My Amex should be linked right to one of my accounts for for Bitcoin and the 400 packages a week that show up here over the holidays for all those kids, it should be <laughs> ripping through on Bitcoin. 
<laughs> well, so isn't so our, absolutely our, isn't absolutely. that pretty much what virtual you know what what these the e gaming space is already doing, right? The e gaming space is already taking have their own virtual yep. currency anyway. So that's pretty much yep. you can see you can see the you can see the roadmap in the e gaming space. You know, we talked about that in a previous episode, but I I see I see I see the connections. It's for me. It's it for me is always one of those things that, you know, it's going to start from the top, clearly it's starting from the top now. And how does it get filtered down to the bottom? Right. And I, I, I 100% hope we can get there now, you know, most major companies, I can see them taking it. It makes no sense for them not to take it. How they extract the value. How does the average citizen extract the value of it? You know, who, I don't know. Right. And that's, that's always been my hiccup to this. It's just well, like, how does this convert to the average person over time? Of course. Yeah. Well, if the last administration, yeah, yeah, no, great point. So if the last administration had pushed through digital wallets and you had gotten your $2,000 check on a digital wallet, you would have been spending it off there. We just weren't ready to go yet. Just weren't ready to go. Yeah. But, it, but it would have been the perfect way to get all that money into the hands. What they do in China, they gave these cards out to people, you know, in 60 or 65 cities initially, and off you went. Then China Ag Bank, um, you know, launches this digital, digitized credit card with digital yuan, and off they go. Right. And once you start doing that, listen, you give me two grand and you tell me that's the only way to spend it, I'll figure out a way to spend it. I will figure out yeah. a way to get that done and I will use that dough. And I, and I think most Americans are the same. I'm not just going to put it on the shelf. It's not going to be like my Olive yeah. Garden uh, gift card from Alto from ten years ago. It's still sitting over there, right? <laughs> that that two grand, that two grand of Bitcoin is going to get used. Or, or thanks for last year. He gave me one to AMC. Last year he gave me one to AMC theaters. I think they're still open in the New York, still closed in the New York metro area. So he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He locked it up. Uh, Stocks on fire though. Stocks on fire. But if right you could now. get that. <laughs> it is now finally it's starting to open back up. Uh, so I think there's way to get, ways to get it adopted. The other thing about gaming is there's a couple of protocols or a couple of tokens out there where you can create these NFTs, non fungible tokens, and people can buy and put your tree in their game or their soldier or that or that tool or that equipment or that background on there and pay them in Bitcoin. I think that's brilliant and that's a great way to adopt it, especially for these gener- younger generations that are online. I mean, if I have a problem with my iPad, I either call Othel's kid or my daughter, Dolly Gemma Brown, at nine and oh, yeah, daddy, just hit this. Oh, you got to put that picture in there to Othel? Yeah, just put daddy, it's right there. So if you get that generation in there, we're off to the races. Think about the Robin Hood generation. They're coming. It's coming. Yep. So we'll yep. get there. I promise you we'll get that's there. A, that's, a, that's a fool's favorite uh, crowd of people, uh, the Robin Hood generation. He Robin Hood. Oh, Greg, Greg and I have fun with the Robin Hood crowd. Yeah. Oh, um, no, so I respect them because they're learning. Hey, so- <laughs> <laughs> no, but Greg, Greg, so Robin Hood, you can actually buy crypto there. Maybe I should just open an account there. Can I get on quicker than freaking uh, Coinbase? You better you better have a Coinbase guy follow up with you after the show today. That's not good news for them. Yeah, you can buy it on you yeah. can buy it on Robinhood, no problem. Uh, I'm surprised you don't already have a Robinhood account open. Okay, all you right. Said, I'm not so I, I missed that. You said you can buy it on Robinhood. I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay, all right, absolutely. All right, Clyde. Clyde's making a trade on. He's like, I'm gonna get two dollars and fifty cents of this. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. One speck of a sliver. Roll, roll the <laughs> dice. So you know when I think about it, you know J.P. Morgan. Um, made the prediction that you know Bitcoin would be up 140. Uh, there wasn't a specific time frame, um, but you know that's you know the hopes for the long term future. And I think that really aligns with your point around there's only 21 million coins out there. So 18 you know, left, 18 left, 18 million left. in the lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so, you know, it's, it's a very finite uh, group. So one of the things that, you know, as we get ready to close this episode out, you know, if, if, if you had to make a prediction or make an investment for the long-term future, how, what's your prediction on getting set 140? Um, is it something that's going to happen near future, 10 years or never? Uh, we'd love to hear your perspective on the long-term like uh, growth in it. Yeah. The, the truth is, I don't know. And, and it would be foolish for me, a guy who's an income strategist, to make a prediction about a, a cryptocurrency. But I appreciate the bait. But let me let me let me turn this and, and I'll give you the aha moment of the day. I will give you the aha moment of the day. I, I won't leave you hanging. You ready for this? I will right, tell go, you that with or without. Here we go. You ready? Get yep. loose. I will tell you that with or without a U.S. equity market pullback in the next three to six months. With or without a major pullback in the price of BTC and Bitcoin, deep under 30,000 or wherever, back to 20, whatever. No matter what happens here, I will tell you in the next 10 to 15 months, I will have 85% of my assets, not the real estate, but 85% of the liquid assets will be in cryptocurrency, digital currency tokens. Period. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's why, uh, that's why when you're a fixed income guy running this route, I said, okay, this is, this is a reversal. You know, uh, I love it. I love it. That's why I was like, we got to get him on. We got to get on. This could be a four hour conversation because Greg and I literally had last night (laughs) two hour. So I said it's going to be a hundred K by December, January. Sometimes we're going to bring you back on another, another episode. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we're going to have, uh, once we put this out there, we're going to have, I, I get, I get questions now from my, from my other finance guys. Like, ah, oh, you guys should really deep, uh, delve deeper into uh, crypto. So yeah, we're going to bring you back. <laughs> oh, we could, do, yeah, we could, we can do it. I, uh, I've got laid out a whole, no, nobody's asked me yet for my 2021 outlook, but I got a, a bears and bulls uh, outlook or a headwinds and tailwinds piece. I, we can, we can do a whole show on that and I'll let you rip apart the thought process of Greg Brown. Uh oh. Uh oh. Challenge accepted. Are you comfortable sharing? Are you comfortable sharing your hit rate on these trades in the last couple of months? Online? Um, you, you and yeah, I have but, a discussion. But, yeah, I'm, I'll do it. But yep. Yep. So I will tell you that on my trades uh, across the board, you know, Gemini, Crack, and Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, Voyager, all that stuff, that I am 100% positive in every single round trip trade that I put on and closed out since this. That's impressive. Began. That's impressive. One hundred percent positive. That's so, but but it's not impressive because what you should be thinking to yourself because I got a trader Billy who lives in Long Island. I call him Billy the Pirate because he sails a boat every year from Bahamas up to his up to his place off Long Island. Billy the Pirate would tell you, well, either you're doing one of two things wrong: either your trades aren't big enough, right, or you're not trading enough. Yep. Because you haven't yep. been slapped okay. yet. That makes- so you should have some trades yep. that don't work out for you. So so it's not enough trades. I'll tell you right now, but. You know, I had a, had a great trade last week in Ethereum where we put it on Tuesday or Wednesday night and took it off a day ago and was up $20,000 on about $114,000 position. Um, and it just continues to run. But long term, I think there are great holds here. I, my trading strategy and what I do uh, <clears throat> for my day gig are two very different things. And my asset mm-hmm. allocation, what I do, you know, I'm not your financial advisor telling you to put 85% of your money in, in crypto. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you for where I am right now, for what's going on, for the amount of work I've done, the white papers I've read, and, and how far deep down this rabbit hole I am, I could easily see that playing out as adoption increases. There was a story yesterday 
from the institutions that uh, Harvard, Yale, University of Michigan, University of North Carolina for their endowments buying crypto many as far back as a, as a year or so. Um, institutions coming in, hedge funds, pensions. So if we're going to go that way, if they could just make it easy for IRA money, right now for IRA money, there's only really two things you can do. Yeah. You can go to Grayscale and buy their Bitcoin trust, trades on the OTC, or you can buy the Ethereum trust. Those are about the only places you can go. But if you open this up for IRA and qualified money or ERISA money, oh my God, we, we would be off to the races in terms of additional flows Insane. and additional individual Insane. clients making money. Yeah. Quickly. And we've got applications, right? Van Eck reapplied for maybe the fourth time. Right. So Van Eck just applied for the fourth time to get an ETF launch. I think when an ETF launch, that's going to open it up to a lot more investors. Um, We had BlackRock just come out in the last couple of weeks and apply on a couple of their funds to trade futures on on Bitcoin and on cryptocurrencies going forward. So it's coming. It's coming. I'm telling you, you got to take a look at the space. Do your own due diligence. Do your do your background. You got questions. You want to talk to me. You know where to get me. Um, then we can certainly do another show and go in here. But I'm telling you, again, if you didn't hear it the first time, 85% of my available dough within 10 to 15 months in crypto. And we are not financial advisors. So do your work, due diligence, what Greg just said. Uh, we are just, we're opinion sharing, uh, sharing our opinions, right? So do, do, your, do your search. So this has been amazing. And one of the things that uh, we want to do is we want to sip and take a cheers to this great information you just shared. So cheers to that. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dive it. We're going to dive into our whiskey of the day. Uh, Will it will it pot still reserve straight bourbon whiskey? Uh, And Greg, just just so you know, what we like to do is we like to dive into uh, different aspects you know, I'm a little bit more sophisticated, you know, um, yeah. you know, I like to dive into, you know, what the tasting notes. Uh, so for me, I was tasting a little, a uh, little sweet, a little molasses, a little caramel flavor, a little hint of vanilla, uh, where some of the things that was rising for me overall, I thought it was good. You know, my, 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 my partners in crime on the co-host show, they, they'll give a uh, different perspective. But this is what Clyde does. He Googles it. He goes to the Wikipedia page for this actual whiskey. He's like, let me read. And then I make sure I like, the flavors are there. No, well, I completely agree. I, I've tasted, taste vanilla in everything. Um, I, I got a hint of coffee in this, a little splash of it. Um, and then, so I, I like it. I like it. It's a cool looking bottle at first before I got the, before I Googled it, I thought it was a giraffe getting a piggyback on a hippo because it's tall neck, little fat squat. <laughs> it's a stir in the pot. So that the most PC way to say it is that, um, but I like it. Good choice, man. Good choice. Good choice. So, yeah. I, so I, I, you, I, uh, I got the light. I got a light. I got a light. It has a nice little punch, a little punch towards you know, the, on the back of the tongue. So I think that's a good one. So for me, you know, you know what I said before. Now I'm the, I'm the buy or sell person on this one. So I, I'm a buy. This is a good, uh, good, a good one to keep on the, uh, in your, on your shelf is a good burn. Um, so I'm all, I'm all for it. So I'm simple, simple. I don't, I don't got the, all right, all right, Greg. Greg, what do you got? What do you got, Greg? So, what is it, what's your well, this, I, I have a, I have a purpose for my for my bourbons, and the purpose for this bourbon is this is the one. And when I'm in when I'm in the east, stuck in the East Coast time zone in the EST, and my LA Kings are coming on at ten or ten thirty at night, this is the pregame at ten ten thirty. This is just ease into my first power play. My LA Kings fan. <laughs> that's right. So that that's why I use Willet. I get my power play ready. Was it was it, it Gretzky? Because was I signed my first. Was your Kings fan? No, it was it was Gretzky, but it was 
it was a sign my first uh, pro cycling team I ever rode with was L.A. County Sheriffs and Chevrolet uh, based in Riverside, California. Uh, so I was in L.A. right when Gretzky came uh, from Edmonton. Uh, we used to get to go to King's Games for wow. like four bucks and two dollar beers. And then, of course, my nice. Raiders were playing at the Coliseum at the same time. So it was great. I was nice. fit, ripping it up, tearing it up all over L.A. Uh, great, great fun. <laughs> no, lead up. No, lead we'll up talk about the other show. Right That's the after hour show. <laughs> <laughs> it took an hour. It took an hour to get to. <laughs> I like that part. Um, nice, man. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to drive into one of the favorite parts of, our, of the show for us. Uh, and Greg, I'm not sure if Athul gave you a heads up, but we like to do something called Shit You Should Know. Uh, and we like to, it's, it could be anything that you want the listeners to know, uh, the latest book, Netflix episode, something that enriched them that aligns with, you know, business tech and culture that'll be, uh, valuable for our listeners to know. So, um, we'll give, uh, you a chance to think about it and, uh, and we'll dive into it on, on our side and then, uh, let you close it out, close out for, you know, a part of the episode we call shit you should know. So who's first? So I'll, I'll pick uh, Anthony to go first. Uh, of course, Boom. of course. There you go. So I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm going to look at a different side of it. Uh, totally off off topic here, but advertising. I think there's some interesting uh, things popping up that I think they're going to really look at from a regulation side. And though we were kind of touching on regulation, but from an advertising, some standards at least that TikTok um, is being put on notice about their vape companies advertising to teenagers directly on TikTok um, because they're using mm-hmm. the visual imagery a lot more that really targets teenagers. And then the other half, and this is a, you know, a fool's favorite company, Grinder. Grinder was kind of, uh, they were fined $11.7 million <laughs> <laughs> a year and for, for a privacy issue in, in the Europe, in EU um, because they were, they were sharing data with advertisers that um, their users weren't aware of. So, I think this is starting to really starting to culminate. We're going to start seeing more issues now about data sharing and how advertisers are using these platforms to advertise to certain target demographics. If you guys want to look me up, I'm Anthony on grinder.com or whatever. Is it, a, is, is it a swipe left, swipe right? What is the situation? What's going on here? Just swipe up. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. Let me give you. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> nice. Nice tag. I like it. I got an Olive Garden tag and then a, a Lady G, Lindsey Graham tag. Damn. Uh, <laughs> all for the races. Good for it. Who's going next? Slide you up or me? Yeah, I'll, I'll dive into it next. So one of the ones I want to highlight is um, a, BB, um, a BBP. Um, it is Pindrop. Pindrop is a voice-activated uh, security software and tool where, you know, if you call up a, a call center, it'll be able to recognize your voice. Um, and know, you know, who you are and you won't have to, you know, go through what your last four of your soul, et cetera. It, it has your voice recognition and your, um, uh, fingerprint from your voice sound. So they just did a partnership with TiVo. Yeah. That old company that, you know, used to dominate TV with DVR video recording, but basically they're, they're launching so that you'll have voice enabled personalization. So not only is this, um, really great technology, but there's conversations around voice technology driving, a lot of other technologies that are out there, cars for security, so that when you get in your car, you can just speak and you don't need a car key anymore because they recognize your voice. So a company like mm-hmm. Pendrop is one that's very exciting for me. It's actually uh, founded by BBPs and, you know, one that I, I definitely think that people should check out as a private organization and your early stage, uh, not early stage, but a later stage uh, 
startup. So it's, uh, it's pretty dope. Nice. Greg, you ready yet? Or you want me to go? No, I'm ready. I was ready right away. I just, I just stood down. Go for it. But you know, I'm not good at <laughs> as the, as the adrenaline guy in the locker room or in the podcast. <laughs> so here's one for you. So I, as, since I'm not, uh, so, so I'm up late most nights. I'm, I'm watching podcasts. I'm watching interviews. I'm doing everything I can do in the crypto space and trying to piece together this whole mosaic. And it came across this thing I think is pretty fascinating. So there is a Mexican billionaire, the second richest guy in Mexico. Guy's name is Ricardo Salinas, and I'm going to butcher the last name, Pliego. He's the founder of Grupo Salinas. And this guy does an interview with Coindesk um, or Cointelegraph. I can't remember which right now. And basically says that he bought uh, Bitcoin back at like 200 and sold at 800, best investment he ever made. And the guy goes, you know, have you come back in? And I'm paraphrasing here and taking a whole lot of poetic license. No, I haven't come back in yet, but, but as of late now, he has. And the question was, why'd you get out? Do you not think there's an opportunity here with transactions? For example, um, it, he says, you know, you got a lot of Mexican day laborers living in the U.S. that are sending money back to Nogales, Tijuana, et cetera, Rosarita. Um, you know, who have to use MoneyGram or have to use Western Union. And, and I know at mm-hmm. in, in a spot that I frequent in Boulder, when I'm in there on the weekends, guys are coming in from landscaping jobs and construction jobs and whatever, sending money home to the, to the motherland, right? And they're getting whacked for a $4 fee, an $8 fee, a $9 fee. And he basically yeah. said, nah, those guys are just day laborers. They'll never figure out the technology. That's what he said in the interview. And I went, wow. boom, and bought more crypto wow. that day. I bought more crypto that day based on that interview and based on he said, because I thought he completely missed the ball. And I thought if mm. anybody's going to figure out, it's those guys to save that wow. six, eight, nine, 12 bucks, shipping 50, 80, yep. 300 bucks back. And I saw it go on for many, many years in Colorado, guys working outside. I did landscaping with them. I poured houses back when I was a poor cyclist early on. And guys would go down there. We would do that right away and then hit Liquor Mart on the way home, of course. Um, but I think there's a great opportunity there going forward. So I will, I will plug one, one token, which is Stellar Lumens is running a payment system where you can pay money from U.S. dollars to anywhere on the planet and send it through in a transaction right away. Quick, inefficient. And I think the cost is 0.00001 of a dollar is the transaction fee to get money sent anywhere in the globe from your currency wow. to your cousin's currency, whatever it is. So I think wow. there's great efficiencies coming here. As soon as I saw that guy say that, and it just blew my mind, and I immediately went in that night and bought more. As as the Anthony, the half Latin guy in the room, would say, he's like, "Hey, for one, uh, for English, press one. El español número dos." All right, all clubhouse, clubhouse. Of, of, of. <laughs> That's how I do. I come in, blow shit up. I gotta go now. <laughs> oh, the cops are coming. Gotta go. <laughs> um, Clubhouse, man. We've been talking about this this week. I have to give a shout out to my cousin Suds. Uh, he gave me a an invitation. I had an invitation several months ago. Uh, lost it. My fault. I gave the guy my wrong phone number. This is what it is. I think. I think we narrowed down. So my cousin just gave it on. Get on, my good old buddy Clyde's on. And I realized, where's my invitation, Clyde? Never got that a year ago when you were on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so Clubhouse, a lot of people are telling us to get on. I'm I'm fascinated with this space. You know I'm the most socially social media illiterate guy probably in this room. Maybe Greg and I are tied, but Anthony and uh, Clyde are far superior to me on social media. I still look at it. So okay, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll put that. So last year, $10 million valuation at a hundred, I'm sorry, 10 million at a hundred million dollar valuation. Paul and Rohan say it, there's a BBP involved. Um, Zuck, Zuckerberg would show up, right? In most of the rooms early on, I had a friend who's in there, in there early and it was all VCs early. And what, well, not me, but he was in there. 80% of the room was all VC guys. They wanted to test it out, see the product, see the market fit, whatever they could do. They're all trying to get on who won it. Andreessen Horowitz. From my U of I, we're about we're about same same alma mater, Urbana Champagne. He's just forty billion dollars richer, um, and his <laughs> wife hosts a, a dinner every Saturday night. Um, in the last two weeks, I've been looking at this. It's jumped one from one million users to two million users in literally the last two weeks, right? And they have a new valuation round now. Um, it, I think it's like at a, it's at a billion. And Clyde, you, I'm sorry, Anthony, you brought this up first, right? So it's a, and I think Andreessen, we don't know the numbers on it, but they put in, they led this round as well, Series B. There's, it's oddly, there's 180 investors in here in this round, which is a lot. So it's, it's a few big players, I'm assuming, led by Andreessen, and then many smaller players with many smaller takes, minimal influence. But it's, it's just, it's kind of interesting to know. Now, you mentioned TikTok, Anthony. It's refreshing to see these new platforms, TikTok, OnlyFans, Cameo, Clubhouse, Twitch. Used to be that, hey, Facebook was the name in town for social media. Amazon, e-commerce, right? Um, I do see like snaps hanging around still, right? There is no brand loyalty in this space, right? So people move quickly. So how to best maximize your return is get to a critical mass, prop up the value, get an exit and tap out. And then you get like a Facebook or someone, I think Snap, to play on a level for a long time, you have to have one of these bigger guys, unfortunately, acquire you or you just fall off because there's no brand loyalty after a while. I mean, Snap can continue to pivot. Let's see how it goes. Um, it's, I'm, I'm interested in it, right? Joe Budden's probably got a show on there talking about getting handy, handsy with this dog. Um, he's <laughs> in that. Um, you should look that up. Google that. It's, it's odd. It's, it's creepy. Um, so here's the thing we're seeing now. It used to be the jocks that used to get all the girls and the, you know and everything. Now it's the nerds, man. My people are coming through. <laughs> the numbers guys, right? So the, you know, the Elon Musks of the world, Davy, Davy Trader, Day Trader, whatever his name is, Barstool, Chumat Palipatia, and Dreesen's getting into media. This is a fascinating space to me. You build like a cult following through media and you can sell anything. Elon Musk, great, phenomenal car, uh, phenomenal technology, but he's built a cult like following and he can sell anything to his constituents, right? He's even saying my stock price should not be this high. Boom. It just keeps going up. Right. And it's a lot of that's your TT traders. Let's do the PC version of it. Um, if you're from the UK, you may say TT, uh, but whatever. <laughs> um, I'm going to say TT. Uh, that's the TikTok traders, right? You know, all these guys with information. And last thing, Apple TV free until July. No, I'm, I'm not an appointment television guy anymore, but the servant, I've been watching that season two. They're releasing every Friday night. It's really difficult. I've been spoiled. I'm used to the binging. Can't do it. My wife and I have been doing it two weeks in a row. I can't wait. Now Apple just announced um, pushing it to free subscription. Bought the iPhone a year over a year ago, November 2019. Still getting it free. And they're going to keep pushing it. Cool with that. And Vimeo. We know Anjali Sood uh, raised $300 million today. Um, $150 million back in November. Money's cheap. They're going to enterprise. They're going to enterprise. This is me. I'm going everything. Rolodex. Uh, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom. Like, <laughs> I'm out. One, two items. A fool breaks down twelve. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an episode hey, on. CBC. Hey man, can I can, can I have orange too? Right, right, right. <laughs> you, you might have him on show for a little bit. <laughs> he was the two minute trailer. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great episode of Whiskey Hue. We want to thank Greg Brown for uh, sharing insight and knowledge. Uh, Greg, okay. tell 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 the listeners where they can find you. Twitter handle. Instagram, uh, or 
MySpace, whatever you have. Negative. He just told <laughs> oh. you. He just told you I'm the social media idiot. You can find me at gbrown900 at gmail.com. How's that here? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. 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 And LinkedIn, LinkedIn, that would have been safer. Just to let you know, I can edit that out if you like. <laughs> wow, let it rip. Let it rip. I'll answer. I will answer. I will answer. All right, here we go. So this has been another great episode of the Whiskey Hue. But thank you, thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us out on all platforms. Download it. Uh, rate us on rate us on all platforms. And uh, thanks again for for joining us, Greg. This has been great. Peace. <laughs>